Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 184 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, we are going to be having a conversation with Chelsea Wells about the book Created to Be His Helpmeet, written by Debbie Pearl. And I know I did a podcast about this book a few years ago, way back when I first started this podcast, but I cannot figure out which episode it is. So um, I think Rachel and I discussed it at length. And maybe Amy or Sarah can find it for us in time for when this gets published and then they can put the link in the show notes. But anyway, I want to talk about this book again because so many of the women I work with have read this book as I did when I was in my abusive marriage. And I believe this book is doing copious amounts of damage in the lives of women. And I don't think I'm being ex- that I'm exaggerating or that I'm being dramatic when I say that this book is wicked. That's my personal opinion. I believe it's wicked because it attributes abuse to God. And it tells women that they need to submit to their mental, physical, and emotional destruction in the name of obeying and glorifying God. So they're tying God into this belief, which I believe is taking God's name in vain. It is it is uh, slandering the name of God. So this is pretty serious in my opinion. And Chelsea, I think is the perfect person to have this conversation with, because guess what? She wrote a book exposing many of the lies. And she basically takes the book created to be his helpmeet. And then in her book, she goes through and asks really good questions. I love that. Well, let me introduce her and then we'll dig in. Chelsea Wells, is hi welcome to the podcast first of all hi thank you so much for having me on (laughs) she's wondering i wonder if she's just gonna talk the whole time (laughs) no this is just my intro anyway chelsea is the founder of table salt ministries which i really want to hear about why you call it that that's going to be a i I just want to find out about that um but anyway this ministry aims to expose common false teachings in the church and demystify what the Bible is really saying to women. So I love your, I love that concept and so needed today. Chelsea has three kids and in her free time, I love this. She enjoys motorcycle riding with her husband. So I am really impressed by that. That terrifies me. I'm wondering if (laughs) it's even Christian. Is it Christian to ride motorcycles? (laughs) It's one of the only things I do that's adventurous. (laughs) So funny. I think that's amazing. And what a great, I mean, I bet your husband just loves that. That he can do that with you. Yeah. I think Uh that's fabulous. So tell me why, why do you call your ministry table salt ministries? What's the story behind that? Yeah. So, um, I just wanted, I just got a picture of like sitting around the table and talking about, um, just really getting down to the root of what the Bible says, um, what it actually says. Right. And so we can come to these conclusions by having discussions because we have the Holy spirit, right. And we can enlighten one another on that. And then salt, um, you know, when Jesus talks about being salt and light and like, just kind of shining, shining a light on, um, 
on his word and on just the current culture and um, any teachings that um, you come across, just examining it and just letting your speech be seasoned with salt. Um, and cause Jesus tells us that we are to be salt and light. So, mm -hmm. um, and then even just thinking about, um, the table being a symbol of even just homemaking, um, because I think that, um, we get a lot of bad theology in homemaking circles, especially. And so I would really love to just be able to reform that and, um, just have our speech, speech be seasoned with salt, um, about that, about when it comes to being a wife and mother. So. Yeah. Well, and you see, so I know one of the things you said in your, we'll put the full bio in the show notes, but one of the things you said is that you see yourself as a theologian, like it's okay to be a homemaker. It's not only okay, but I think it's necessary for us not only to be homemakers, but to also be theologians. We need to Definitely. be, we need to know what the Bible is actually saying so that we can when we hear false teachings, we can go, oh, that's a fault. You know, that doesn't really line up with what the Bible is actually saying. Exactly. Yeah. And God gave us discernment to be able to look at his word and say, this is what it's saying. And this is what it's not saying. It's so easy to, I think, be deceived um, by these teachers. And we'll get into this a little bit more, but just ha who have this like veneer of godliness and like, oh, that sounds really good, you know? Um, and it, I think sometimes it gives people a sense of like, I'm really righteous if I do this when really it's legalism because they're adding on to what God is saying and making Jesus's yoke, which is supposed to be light, actually heavier. Yes. Um, so that's important to sort of um, demystify, I guess, what is the Bible saying and what is it not saying? Yes. And that's that's what the Pharisees did. Jesus mm -hmm. and Jesus had the hardest, harshest words for the Pharisees because they were laying heavy burdens on the people. So, exactly. um, okay. So when we think about this book, well, first of all, I just want to say, I, um, first my daughter, Amy, she read your book and then she passed it on to me and she said, I really think you should look at this. This is like, this is really cool. And it's a cool, it's a neat concept how she did it. Mm -hmm. So I just want to tell the listeners. So Chelsea's book, um, which we'll put a link to it on it's on Amazon. It, um, what she does is something that's really unique. She'll, she'll say the, the teaching that Debbie is giving in her book. And it's just shocking. I haven't read that book for years and years. Okay. So I, I threw it away many, many years ago, but when I read through what I remember, I read it several times because I was trying so hard to do all of the things. And when I did all those things, it actually did make my marriage better because I was placating and appeasing my husband and giving him his wits, like giving, as long as you keep handing your toddler suckers and taking them to, you know, Valley fair, then they're good for the most part. I mean, they'll have a meltdown here and there, but for the most part, you know, it's good. They're happy as long as you keep them happy. So the book, you know, quote unquote works but it at your expense, you know, we only have so many suckers to, to give out and we, you know, and we can't go to Valley fair every day. Sometimes we, Definitely. sometimes we have to stay home and do the chores. Sometimes we have to have a baby and nurse the baby and be up all night. And sometimes we just can't be as perfect as, as this book requires us to be. So anyway, I was reading, so you put the, the statement that she makes in her book and then you ask really good questions about it. You're not just telling us what to think. You're asking us to think through it ourselves. 
to use our common sense, to use our own wisdom that God gave to us because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and to ask ourselves these questions. You're almost asking us, let's, I want you to write this. I want you to write your own rebuttal to this in your own Mm -hmm. head, which I think is brilliant. And it also creates this shift in, in our brains of, cause it's one thing to hear someone else say something. It's another thing to answer it inside of ourselves. It makes much more, it makes a much more profound, longer lasting impact on us, I think. So mm-hmm. I want you to tell us, um, why don't you give a, like a summary of created to be as help meet and what it's about and then, and why it's dangerous. Yeah. So, um, Debbie Pearl, her theology is mainly that your husband is your priest. Um, and that if you are obeying him, you're obeying God. Um, and there's just tons and tons of problems with this book. Um, but one of them is just that she holds men and women to different moral standards. Um, so, and also it's, it sort of normalizes this coercive control, um, that, an an abusive husband can have, um, and it excuses it. And so she, she paints situations like adultery and physical abuse as normal marriage situations that can be changed if you are just sweeter. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and it gives women this never ending to do list. And so you get on this treadmill of just doing and doing and doing, um, when in reality, um, that's not what God calls us to do. And so, um, she essentially blames women for their husband's bad behavior. Um, and so the husbands in her view have rights, um, but the wives honestly don't have a lot of rights in their marriage. Um, so some of her advice, um, just a few, um, off the top of my head are, um, like that women shouldn't have close friendships with other women. Um, they should only be close to their husbands. Um, there was one wife who her husband was, um, a porn addict. And she said that he, she, that she had to, she knew she had to give him sex two to three times a week, even though it was a terrible chore, you know, and I'm thinking, where did she get this? You know, (laughs) where is that in the Bible? Um, and then to a woman who says that she needs four hours a week of time alone with God, she says, Oh, spend that desired spiritual time with your husband and let him teach you. Um, and then even her husband, Michael wrote a chapter, um, and, he says, you know, he's the leader. And so I've got this quote right here. He says, know that a husband has the authority to tell a wife what to wear, where to go, whom to talk to, how to spend her time, when to speak and when not to, even if he is unreasonable or insensitive, God does not override a man's authority when he uses it unjustly. And so my question for him is in the book of Hosea, um, Hosea two sixteen, God says, talks about himself being the bridegroom. And he says in that day, you will call me my husband instead of my master. And so he contrasts those two things. A husband is supposed to be loving. Um, so in first Peter three, seven, it says that, so your prayers won't be hindered. You should treat your wife with gentleness. And then, um, in Colossians three nineteen, that's echoed, um, where it says, don't treat your wife harshly. Um, well, so, uh, can I jump in here really quick and just say this? Some people, I know some Christian men would say, well, we, sh- men should be able to do all of those things, control their wife in those ways, but just do it gently. Like some women, so they would like say, you know, when, you know what I'm saying? They would say, oh yeah, we totally agree with that. It needs to be kind and benevolent 
control and power over the woman. I just want to make it very clear to people who are listening that power and control of any kind is abuse. Okay. And a marriage was meant to be a partnership. So it's not a partnership. If one person, if you, if you turn the, um, turn the tables, you can see it more clearly. We're so used to believing that women should be controlled in that way. But if you turn the tables and said that the mate, the woman should, should be the one to tell the husband what to wear, where to go, what to do, to never go see anybody else, to all, never spend time with God, but only to spend time with the mm-hmm. wife. Now we see, mm-hmm. oh my word, we would go, well, that woman would be a shrew. She would be a rebellious, you know, like crazy person. But, but, mm-hmm. but and yes, you're right. She would be. But so is the man when he does that to the woman. That's not, that is 100% abuse. And I wanted to even point out too, when mm-hmm. you said that, she said that they, that this wife should go and be, should be like, go and be ice or and only spend time with her husband and not spend time with other people. That is a classic abuser move to isolate exactly. the victim. So she's basically written a handbook of how, Men, first of all, how, cause men love this book, how men can, should do it, how to abuse effect, how to be very effective in your abuse. And then telling women why they should submit to abuse, why they should be an abuse victim, why it is a good thing and a godly thing and a praiseworthy thing to be an abuse victim. That's what this book is. It is terror. It's absolutely terrifying. All right. I'm sorry. I interrupted. I just, I'm just like jumping out of my skin right now. <laughs> oh, no problem. Yeah. And, and just even there was another part where she says that, um, uh, there's a woman whose husband didn't want her to go to church. And she said, Oh, well just spend that time with him. You know, I'm like, wow. So she really discourages, um, even any type of boundary setting, um, or any type of even going to one's pastor, not that they're always the most helpful when it comes to these situations, but just, she, says, oh, well, that's, you know, you shouldn't tell anybody, you know, and um, another way that she excuses um, abusive behavior is that she treats it like, oh, it's a personality type. And so um, yes. she has a father, the son and the Holy Spirit as different, these different personality types for men, which I'm not even going to get into why we can't emulate the father or the Holy spirit. We can only emulate the son um, because he's God in human form. Um, But just that, uh, you know, so the father, she characterizes as just this dominating, you know, personality that gets angry and flies off the handle and, Oh, that's okay. Because that's just his personality type. And he's like a father when really the father's actually loving he doesn't fly off the handle, you know, and with the Holy spirit, she talks about these are the type of men who are just flighty and who can't hold down a job and, you know, all these things. And, um, but I'm thinking, okay, but the Holy spirit is not, um, flighty or wishy-washy. Um, he's direct and consistent. And so, um, I mean, God is perfect. You know, we can't excuse different, um, sinful behaviors behaviors. and attribute them to, in, to God. I, I, that's exactly. Wacko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then why, even just, Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I'll let you finish. I was going to go on to the next question, but if, but I want you to finish this out if you've got more. Oh yeah. One more thing just about, about the son and about imitating Jesus. So, you know, the, of course, lots of marriage books talk about the husband being the leader, right? But 
really a leader in the Bible is a servant because Jesus came as a servant and he washed his disciples feet. And that is really whoever's serving the most is actually the leader by biblical definition. Yes. You're and your lead. Like I've heard this whole idea of servant leadership, the whole Mm -hmm. you're leading by being, by being an example of a servant. Mm -hmm. That is how you're leading. You're leading the way you're the most servant of servants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what it means. Yeah. Okay. So why did you decide to actually like take time out of your life and put pen to paper and write a rebuttal? Yeah. So I actually got really passionate about this subject because I was given this book by a well-meaning friend when I had a a betrayal situation in my marriage and I told her about it. Um, And I'd seen others um, like talk about this book before, but I didn't realize how actually harmful the teachings were. So I was thinking, I'll just read it with an open mind. And I was just shocked and appalled at what I was reading because I was thinking when I've done these things and my marriage is actually, for me, it's, it's really made it worse because it's, it's causing, you know, um, just kind of continuing to just do, just be the magical fairy. That's the, you know, the maid and the, person who's just not noticed that was actually causing more trauma to me. Um, so I was really taken aback by, you know, how she placed the blame solely on the wife for these marriage problems and, or not marriage problems, but really the husband's bad behavior. Um, and so she just has this whole theology of win him without a word. And I'm thinking, okay, the only time that anything's ever changed in my marriage is when I actually set a boundary. Um, and I did set a boundary and, um, my husband, I'm proud to say is one of the few men who's actually putting in the effort to change. Um, and so things are a lot better now because I went against what this book says and actually did the opposite. Um, and we're just closer than ever and things are, my marriage is healing now. Um, and so I, I got really just, I I was actually really disturbed that so many women in my situation are are reading this book, thinking that this is good advice and that this is what they need to do. Um, and it was, it was terrible to think about that. And it's, it's a very popular book in my church. Um, and I just really wanted the women who were reading it in my church, um, especially just to see the truth about these teachings. And so, um, I'm a former teacher, like I love discussion and things, and I love to ask people thought-provoking questions. And so I thought that would be the best medium to um, kind of rebut this book, I guess. I love it. I love it. So give us some examples uh, in your book of like the things that she would teach and then what you would say to that. Yeah. um, So she teaches a lot about submission, right? That's what we are supposed to do as wives, according to Debbie Pearl, is just submit. Um, So I first want to talk about what submission isn't. Um, So she says women should obey their husbands. Um, But actually nowhere in scripture are women told to obey their husbands, like children are told to obey their parents. Um, And I'll get into what that, the word submit actually means in a few minutes. It's actually an empowering position instead of a a lower position. Um, And also submission, biblical submission does not mean enabling. Um, so Debbie talks about, um, a situation where a husband was cheating on his wife, but, um, in order to just encourage him, she and her son 
went to his work and decided to cheer him on and hold, hold a sign that said number one dad. And I'm thinking, wow. So no, you know, setting boundaries. Um, and the example that her son, you know, that this woman's son is getting from, from the husband, it's just shocking. Um, and so another woman whose husband was a habitual porn user, um, she cooked him this amazing meal and had his work friends over and stuff. And then everything was apparently great after that, <laughs> which is just an unrealistic scenario. Yeah. Um, and so there was, again, no, no setting boundaries or insisting that he get help. Um, and then another woman um, was told to just not speak up or say anything when her husband was going to make an unwise purchase. And that's not submission either. Right. Um, so Proverbs 24, 26 says that an honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, in order to really even just have basic respect for our husbands, we have to be honest with them. Um, and so she puts the pressure on women to make their husband and family look good, even if he's terrible. So, um, like she is, she's very much about image, which I thought was confusing because I was thinking, what about that verse? Um, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, you know, that's, it just really contradicts the Bible in that way. So Debbie says a good woman might be married to a man who's lazy or does not make much money. And as a result, he appears wiser and wealthier than he really is and is looked upon with honor because of it. A good woman may be married to a man who is not an attentive father or patient child trainer. When people see their children, they assume the father must be a good man to have such fine children. A good woman could be married to a man who's a poor example of a father and a husband. People look at their relationship and think he must be a good man because they seem to be happy together. And this is an example of a wife shielding her husband from the consequences oh of his gosh. bad behavior. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, like you said about the Pharisees earlier, it reminds me of that verse when Jesus talks about in Matthew 23, 20, um, when he calls them whitewashed tombs. And so I'm thinking, is a marriage that's a whitewashed tomb really glorifying yes. to God? Yes. Of this also, not. that teaching also gives w- women a pause and think twice before they would ever go get help. Because if they go get help, mm-hmm. they're being a bad wife. They're exposing their husband. You can't get any help for yourself. If you're a woman of faith in a confusing and painful marriage who feels like you're just a shadow of the woman you could be, I'd like to help you change that. Five years ago, I developed a comprehensive program that has helped hundreds of Christian women wake up to their reality and live powerfully within it as the adult women God created them to be. The Flying Free program uses transformational coaching, workshops, classes, and a close-knit community of women to support you on your journey. We will help you identify the problems and figure out what you can and can't do so that you can be empowered to move forward into the life you were meant to live. Imagine a deep dish apple pie with caramel, walnuts, and vanilla ice cream on top. Members have said that this podcast is like a little taste of the vanilla ice cream, but the Flying Free program is the whole delicious slice of pie in all its glory. You'll never know what you're missing until you can bite into the whole thing. You can get all the details, including reviews, facts, and everything that comes with the program by going to joinflyingfree.com. I'll see you on the inside.
I joined Flying Free Sisterhood because I was desperate to find someone else who was experiencing the craziness, the experiences that I was in my marriage, that I was convinced I was the only one, especially the only pastor's wife who could ever be going through what I was. I Googled Christian and emotional abuse, and Natalie Hoffman came up. The Flying Free Sisterhood is something I discovered as a result of that Google search. I immediately signed up because it was the weekend to sign up, and I said, I'm not letting this opportunity go by. At first, I thought maybe it's a cult, but I thought if it's a cult, I'll find out within the first month, and I haven't risked a whole lot of money. So I paid my money for one month, and I figured out within the first couple days that it was something I'd never heard of, and it was something miraculous, and I wasn't the only one who'd ever experienced the insanity that I was going through. And then months later, or in the next, probably in the next month or so, I discovered that there were other pastor's wives who had who were going through and had gone through the kind of destructive patterns that were present in my marriage. It was like a dream came, come true. I was so grateful that I found a place where my experiences are normal. I guess it's the new normal for me. I've been a member now for uh, over a year and a half. It's the best money I ever spent on myself and my healing. I've taken the, the modules real slow. I'm healing and it works this way for me. I joined a small group to read Natalie's book together and that group ended up being a small group of women that meets every week without fail. We've been together for year and a year and 15, 15 months. And it feels like forever, it feels like 15 years. And I know I'm not alone now. I know it. These are all, my group is all pastor's wives. And I know I'm not the only one. And I can barely remember a time when I thought I was. It's been the most miraculous two years of my life. Exactly. And so actually in biblical terms, um, the word submit is hupotasso, which refers to two people who are equal in God's eyes. Um, and actually my, my working definition now um, is, uh, and it's also to be mutual in marriage, right? So it's an attitude that every believer should have towards one another. Um, and my working definition of, of submit is to respect and support um, now, because it's actually a military term, meaning like to sort of, um, arrange oneself in like a battle formation to kind of help effectively fight the enemy. Um, so respecting and supporting your husband while obeying God alone. And now with a caveat, because this respect and support is going to look different depending on, um, what your husband is doing, of course, yes. you know? Yes. So I respected my husband enough to tell him that what he was doing was not okay. Um, and that it was, um, very destructive to, to me, um, and to, you know, to God's temple really. Um, so for me, 
yeah, while he was engaging in his his behaviors, it, submission looked like setting boundaries, speaking the truth in love, putting together a safety plan for me and the kids if I had to leave, um, and helping, which ultimately helped lead him to repentance. But whether or not they repent, you know, it's um, God desires that his children are safe. So pretending everything is okay is not biblical submission. Right. I 100% agree. Do you have any other examples? Um, so, uh, let's see. I think that's all. Okay. Well, you talked about the idea of an, <clears throat> I might be saying this wrong, but an easier, an easier connecto. Did I say that right? Yeah. Azer connecto. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the original Hebrew phrase for help meet which mm-hmm. is what her book is called created to be his helpmeet. So I think we probably need to talk mm-hmm. about what that actually means. Can you explain right. how the definition of that phrase is different from Debbie Pearl's definition? Yeah. So in, in Debbie Pearl's definition, a helpmeet is somebody who's it's very superficial, right? It's a superficial definition of being a helper. So a helper in her view is someone who, um, basically just never puts down the broom, you know, (laughs) always either cooking, cleaning, doing something, you know, like taking care of the kids, let, you know, she lets her husband come stretch out after his, you know, eight hour work day and just keeps doing and doing and doing. So a help meet is about doing in Debbie's definition, but really um, an Azer Kenigdo is more than the sum of what they do. Um, it's actually a, a spiritual warrior. Um, so Azer is um, a helper, but not the kind of helper that we often think of when we think of that word. And Azer describes a swift saving kind of help that God offers to us. Um, and it's used in um, verses like Psalm 121.1, where it says, I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help com- comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, so it made me think that um, this kind of help is actually a lot more than just the superficial. Um, it's being a spiritual advocate or a, a warrior for your family. And then um, Kenegdo is corresponding to him. And so corresponding, um, meaning that not one person is higher or lower than the other one, right? You have, um, it's kind of like comparing the right hand to the left. Um, not one hand is better. Um, they're equal and each has a different function. Both are, are necessary. If you're going to, you know, be able to easily complete your daily tasks. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, I, I just want to say like, if, if you are an Azer Kenigdo, you are so much more than a maid, a nanny, a chef or a concubine. It's a lot more than that. You're valued by God, you know, because, um, you are that um, that spiritual warrior for your family. Yes. I want to just jump in here too and say that, you know, there's some, a lot of this stuff is in reaction to feminism and the, Mm -hmm. and there are people out there who think that us Christian women, if we get any notions in our minds (laughs) of, you know, of not submitting that we're going to all of a sudden become these flaming bra burning feminists. That is not true. Both you and I, we are in our home, raising children, feeding our families, um, earning livings, do, you know, 
loving our husbands. I'm remarried and doing all the things that may, that maybe some of those traditional I, that fall into some of those traditional ideas. Not that you have to though, but that's mm-hmm. what a lot of us are. None of us are out there saying liberate women, get those women out of their mm-hmm. homes, get them away from their children, get them rebelling against their husbands. We're not saying that we're mm-hmm. trying to communicate that God's vision for marriage is so much more mm-hmm. than this destructive mind numbing, soul destroying idea that men have to be in control over women in order for it all to work, work well. My, my, I just want to say that I am remarried to a healthy man and we are partners and he would never, he is kind enough to look at ideas like this. I've told him some of the things that I used to believe. And he's like, he's totally shocked. He's mind blown Mm. because he wasn't raised in this kind of thinking And so it's so foreign to him and the concept is so foreign to him. And the idea that he could even gently control me or whatever, he's like, why would I want to do that? You're an amazing person. You have amazing ideas. Like I want to know your ideas. I want you to make your decisions and live your life. And I'm here to support you. And then I, as a wife, am there to support him. We support each other. It's a partnership. It's a beautiful thing. So like you yeah. said, it's mutual submission. That's what it is. It's like mutual submission is just getting under each other and saying, how can I make you successful? How can I yeah, make it you works successful? so much better that way? Yes, definitely. And it doesn't have to be this adversarial thing, no. right? A redeemed marriage is one where both are humble. And so Debbie talks about how the husband should be the one to make the final decision or the tiebreaker. You know, he should be the one who, um, who gets the final say, but how much better would it be if both people said, no, we'll go with what you want. Right. Right. I mean, exactly. That's so much more Christ-like and ideal for marriage. Exactly. And that does work. I mean, I know some people think, Oh, that's impossible. No, it's not impossible. If you have two committed people who are committed to each other and to Jesus, they have to both be okay. That is not, not only that is not impossible. It is not only possible, it is probable that you will be able to do that. I can't, I don't even know of a time that my current husband and I have come, have butted heads where there had to be a tiebreaker. We've talked things through until we make a mutual decision on, on everything, literally. Yeah. So, definitely. and you're both yeah. led by the spirit. So yeah, it it's a, a beautiful thing. Okay. So, um, a- according to the book, how does Debbie Pearl see some of her fellow image bearers? I'm you're talking oh, about women yeah. there, right? How does she see women or how does yeah, she see women and men? Doozy. Yeah. So, um, the, she says so many disparaging things about like different types of women. Um, she really, um, goes hard against single moms. And I'm thinking, I wonder what acts she has to grind oh, yeah. against, you know, these women who are often victims in, situations um so she talks about like oh they have ugly haircuts and ragged clothes and all they have unruly kids and are stressed out all the time and I'm thinking what a what a weird stereotype I mean I have several friends even who are single moms and they're not like that um but even just thinking about part of my story just the prospect of what if I have to be a single mom and does God still have a future for me? 
Um, I think that could be really discouraging to a lot of women if they read that and be like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want that life, you know, so I'm just going to follow this advice, you know? Well, and not um, only, not only myself. I was just gonna say, not only do I not want that life, but I don't want people like that. I respect if they respect her, I, which hopefully nobody does anymore, but I don't want people that I respect (laughs) to look at me and go, oh, she's just an ugly old wretched person with a bad haircut. Yeah. Really? Is that how we talk to each other? I mean, really? We, it's we, really superficial too. Oh, it's so again, who cruel. knows what's in their heart, you know? Right. It's very judgy. There's something going on in her. That's that is, um, she needs some help. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And like, you know, I really had to cast myself on the mercy of God thinking that, you know, th- that could be my future. And, um, just realizing that like, he would still be good to me and that my life doesn't have to be in shambles necessarily because he has a future and a hope for me. Um, but, um, anyway, yeah. Some other ways that she talks about, um, women are, um, yeah, of course talking about their looks. Um, and it honestly, it reminds me of how the enemy, um, would would speak about like hey you know you you look really ugly in those you know too tight pants or whatever yes (laughs) exactly i i mean every uh, several times i was reading the book i was like this sounds like the devil (laughs) yes well like um, i said at the beginning i believe it's a wicked book i believe that it really is a satanic tool i really do Exactly. And just, you know, the, the gaslighting and making you question, you know, yourself. Um, but she described one woman as like hillbilly ugly, which is worse than regular ugly. And she tells her readers to let the snake deceive some other dumb lady. So she talks about women like they're stupid. And I'm thinking you want, you're thinking that this is going to be an inspiring book to women, but then every other page you're calling them dumb, you know? Oh, and she talks about the dumb cluck like she there's a quiz that's that said are you a dumb cluck and just there were all these random questions on it and I'm thinking and a lot I mean none of them really had to do with any biblical concepts or anything it was just superficial like do you have knowledge on this or that and it was really crazy so unreal yeah so did you have um it says here that you have a list of verses at the end of your study guide, which tells mm-hmm. how God sees. So to contrast how Debbie sees wives and mothers, mm-hmm. how does God, and this is where I just want to point out if that's Debbie's view of wives and mothers, then her view is not in alignment with the heart of God. And you mm-hmm. don't need to give anything that someone like that says any credibility. They're not mm-hmm. aligned with God. So how, tell us, how does God see wives and mothers? Yeah. So this is so important. Um, I just looked in the scriptures and just found all these different verses. And it was really amazing to me to, and humbling, honestly, because I was like, wow, God, like you really see me like that. Um, so first Samuel 16, seven says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so he's looking at you and seeing into your heart. Um, you're more precious than rubies. Proverbs 31.10. Um, you should be given the reward that you've earned. Proverbs 31.31. In contrast to just slaving away all the time and just never um, having a break or any recognition. 
um, your husband has found a good thing and found favor with God. If you're a godly wife, Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 22. And then um, your husband should treat you well so that his prayers will not be hindered. First Peter 3, 7. Um, you're the crown of your husband. Proverbs 12, 4. You are worthy of your husband's faithfulness. That's an important one because mm -hmm. we, yes, we do have rights as wives and we have a right to be treated um, with faithfulness and um, to, to be loved. Hebrews 13, 4. Um, you are a gift from God. Proverbs 19, 4. Um, and then you should not be treated harshly. Colossians 3, 19. And then... Um, in Proverbs 5.19, it talks about the wife of your of one's youth, and it says that you are a loving doe, a graceful deer, and your husband should be intoxicated with your love. So God, the way God sees women is, is not um, that your value comes from your works. Your value actually comes from your gentle and quiet spirit, like it says in First um, Peter, um, and you are precious to God. He's not saying, he's not like, oh, well, I just made you to be your husband's sidekick and just tolerate his bad behavior and stand off to the side while he does whatever he wants, right? Mm -hmm. He made you to be, um, to, to be an encourager, to boldly speak his word and um, your beauty comes from within. Mm -hmm. I, and to that point, I want to say that I noticed in all of those verses, there was nothing about haircuts or physical outward appearance <laughs> or body weight or anything like that, because right. that is not because God looks at every single one of you that are listening and you and I, Chelsea, and all he sees is a beautiful, amazing creation, whether we just Amen. rolled out of bed, just had a baby just got out of the shower. It doesn't matter. No matter what our weight is, no matter what our eyes look like or our mouth looks like, or our hair looks like, mm -hmm. that's how God sees us. Exactly. And, and I just other, think of, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just think of like, when I became a mother, like how I, how I saw my children, you know, yes. and that was so humbling to realize that God actually sees me the same way. He's not standing there from his throne, looking down his nose at me and waiting for me to trip and fall. You know, he's actually cheering me on and, yes. um, and just proud of every, you know, every bit of sanctification that happens in my life and heart. Um, and he sees me, um, as his, his beloved child, because I'm in Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. So if you want to um, get Chelsea's book, it's called Created to Be His Help Meet Rebuttal, right? Yes. That's, yeah. Created to Be His Help Meet Rebuttal, which is kind of brilliant because people who are looking for that book then will hopefully find, hopefully you find yours too. It's on Amazon. We'll put the link in the show notes. And then where else can they find you if they wanted to just um, get to know you a little bit or follow you or see what you're doing? Yeah. Snoop so my Facebook you. is... <laughs> <laughs> um my facebook page is table salt ministries and it's actually facebook.com slash table salt ministry just with a y at the end okay all right mm -hmm. we'll put that in the link we'll put that in the show notes as well okay thank you so much for being willing thank to come so on much. here and share um the things that you've studied about this book thanks for doing that work too 
You're welcome. I think hopefully, yeah. I mean, I would love to see, I'll probably be dead before this comp happens, but I'd love to see a day where that book is no longer in print. And can't Oh yes, that's my prayer as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And to those right, of you who are, thank you. yeah, thank you. To those of you who are listening, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fly free.